All right. Hello, dear listeners of the Education Newscast. Today, another episode in English. And I'm very happy to have uh, international guests today here in the show. And it's Roland Deiser. Roland has uh, interesting roles, different ones. So, uh, Roland, you are chairman of the Executive Corporate Learning Forum. So I was very happy you in invited me recently. So we had an interesting dialogue and discussion and presentation. Uh, and you're also executive chairman at the Center of, for the Future of Organization, Drucker School of Management. And you're located in the beautiful Bel Air, I, I guess. So, but before I, I don't know, I'm, I go on, perhaps you just introduce yourself. So who are you? What was your journey recently? It's very kind of you, Thomas. Well, first of all, thank you so much for putting me on to this show. Um, and I'm glad we really met, uh, Thomas, recently you were at one of our sessions of the ECLF, the Executive Corporate Learning Forum, and talked about the incredible ecosystem of learning that SAP has put up, especially with its partners and customers. Yeah, maybe a few words about my background. So I've got those two hats. One is the Executive Corporate Learning Forum, which I created about 15 years ago and is kind of a community of very senior Uh, executives in very global, large organizations. And we have uh, ongoing conversations in this community about the future of learning, of leadership, of also organization. And then I have a second head, which is uh, at uh, the Drucker School of Management, which is more research, which is more conceptual thinking, where we develop kind of new ways to look at things. And it's called Center for the Future of Organizations. And that's actually what we are, what we are looking at. The current work there is if you may say so, really built on everything digital transformation has brought us. Uh, it really has a huge impact how to organize. And we're currently working a lot on uh, issues of ecosystem leadership. Uh, it's our latest research project. How do you engage as an organization in ecosystems in a way that you somehow really have an impact and you can shape your context without having the formal power to do so because ecosystems, of course, are horizontal communities where you don't have the hierarchy usually in that way. So, mm. yeah. Oh, very interesting. So were there any latest research results, uh, topics which came which you came across, which, which you think our listeners um, might find interesting or you, which, uh, which you found pretty interesting perhaps? Yeah, well, what we're, What we did, we did a survey last year on, on these ecosystem capabilities. So how do large organizations currently engage in ecosystems? What are the, the barriers for them to perform well? And, and they brought quite some interesting results. And based on this, we're, we're currently working on a capability framework for ecosystem leadership and organization. Uh, and uh, this is in the works. We are uh, hopefully probably publishing something later in Q2, so in, maybe in June this year, we're almost wrapping it up. But it's a complex issue. Mm. You know, ecosystems are hard to really grab your, uh, put your head around because uh, it's a very complex systemic kind of thing. And uh, other than organizations where you know where to go because there is a hierarchy, there are roles, it's all defined, ecosystems are much more fluid. So that's uh, a thing we're currently kind of looking at. Yeah, and uh, just for the listeners, so where can they find then the information as soon as it's published? Is it on this uh, Drucker site? So we may just link it in the show notes, uh, in the links. 
Yeah, we have a we have a website, a very simple one, under it's called futureorg.org, mm-hmm. which is the website of the center, and uh, we post all our research there. There are also articles and publications from our uh, members or advisory board. Uh, so that is a good source to go if you want to do the research. This is all downloadable for free. Oh, wow. So um, if you want to see uh, some uh, of the reports, not everything, but the, the key reports we do, we, uh, we make available to the public. All right. Yeah. So you listeners, you might uh, just check that out. All right. So should we look at the topic of ecosystems and learning? So, of course, I think it's like two sides of a similar coin. Yeah, <laughs> like we have business ecosystems. We talked about that. You do the research. We have also learning ecosystems. Like in Germany, you come across of that as a learning trend, I would say. So many people write about it. But I, I think it's a little bit fuzzy, the topic. And perhaps if, if I just may have a quick look at that. So in the latest session in the uh, Executive Corporate Learning Forum, so we asked the participants, yeah, how do you define it? And I thought it was very interesting because the answers were pretty much diverse. So like, I, I just noted that down, the answer were like an umbrella of related assets, products, an inclusive environment for learning, an integrated learning architecture. I like architecture. That's a more older model, yeah. External partners. Yeah, I like that. Uh, external partners, learners, highly collaborative, open, including all. Uh, so, so that's pretty diverse. So how would you define that? Uh, I mean, Thomas, the, the problem really with the ecosystem or the challenge with the ecosystem concept is that it is fuzzy, right? I mean, that, mm. When we did, when we started our, our research project on this, I, inv- you know, I invited the advisory board of major corporations and some subject matter experts, and we met in London for a workshop, and we wanted to go through the results of the survey, but we spent almost all day, I mean, three quarters of the day with trying to find a definition, what is an ecosystem? And that is something, it's like in digital transformation, right? You have these buzzwords that are around. Everybody's trying, on one hand, the consultancies. Uh, for instance, to monetize that with new services and all these kinds of things. In the academic community, you know, uh, it's about branding. What is this? How can we best describe that? What we have found out is there are many definitions. We at the center just uh, have one definition that we actually put out there and say, we use this as a, as a kind of a benchmark to look at things. But we don't say this is the only way to look at things. So I would define an ecosystem as something that is a value creation network, right, rather than a value chain. So that is a big difference between traditional organizing, which is transactional, which is usually from the center of the organization outside into the markets, and you have a supply chain, and you go then to the customers. Whereas uh, an ecosystem is much more horizontal, It's kind of uh, a network of co-creation, co-innovation, co-development of certain kind of things with a very strong dynamic between the stakeholders of an ecosystem. And it's all about joint value creation. And of course, that brings a lot of issues with it because who captures the value? We know we have these very big players in ecosystems like you know, uh, Amazon more or less owning a lot of the cloud space. I mean, SAP, of course, also in that space, uh, uh, IBM and others. But there are those very big players who are more or less the 800-pound gorillas in an ecosystem, and they can dominate a lot. 
but it doesn't matter that much if you have a good strategy you can actually go into an ecosystem as well with a very specific vertical of uh, products and services that you can shape and that's actually what we are looking in at um, ecosystem leadership now getting to the learning space yeah this has been you know i think driven a little bit through the advances in technology we, we had for a long time a, a model in learning where everything was somehow developed by a learning department and then thrown out to the audiences as programs, usually in classrooms. And uh, there was always the transfer issue. There was always the issue, well, we, we learn maybe in this kind of protected space of a classroom, but can we really apply this in practice? And, and that's, of course, a kind of a value chain thinking of learning, right? You would have uh, also a business model where your competitive advantage would be, I know the best speakers, maybe I have best relations to the business schools or to, to some content providers that then, you know, actually are there for my organization. And uh, it's a kind of a very outdated form of learning. What we found, uh, what many companies found then later on was to say, how can we embed learning really in the overall daily work processes into the flow of work? How can we make uh, learning something that is highly customized to the needs? How can we do learning something that is uh, just in time, really helping people to do their job and keeping them agile? How can we create something like a, a passion? This was one of the topics we had, a passion for learning, a kind of a inner motivation so that learning is not something where I go and... Uh, my God, I still have to sit in this boring seminar. No, no, learning is something that really is addressing my curiosity and exploring it. And technology has helped us uh, in the last um, a few years uh, more and more to create exactly these kind of, as they call it, ecosystems. So where people have access to a technology that allows them, for instance, degreed is an example, or uh, these artificial intelligence engines that really know like Netflix what you like and then they push things to you that you can use just in time. That is one element of it. The other element is it is that social technologies uh, have allowed us to collaborate uh, horizontally in much better ways and in immediate ways. Um, you know, there were communities of practice already happening, you know, uh, uh, 20, 30 years ago, but the technology that allows us to have uh, intranets or collaborative platforms where you can share things, where you can comment things, that is really enhancing something uh, that was not possible before. And we know that people learn a lot from each other, not only from the experts. Learning is also sharing experiences, is comparing what I'm doing, what are you doing? Can we help each other? There is a whole movement out there called working out loud, uh, which is you know just taking advantage of that kind of notion of having a network and reaching out and helping you each other to do your things. And that's learning as well. Mm. I think the technology can help like to scale, like in the business ecosystems. Right. Uh, but also, let's say, do the simple access. Or I, I think what we can learn from the business ecosystems is this network, also more systemic approach. So we always say here, one and one is three. Yeah, so it's more than just if you do in your line of business for developers or for construction workers or for whomever their training programs. So if people exchange, yeah, learning in the network, I think that's also not that new, but I think that's also somehow 
yeah, it should be part or can be part or I, I think that's perhaps one of the complicated uh, things that probably every company has already ecosystem or learning ecosystem. But the question is what e learning ecosystems they want to have. Yeah. Or well, I, I think so. The, the main challenge is to create the culture of learning in a way, mm -hmm. which is, I call that one something like learnership, right? It's almost a kind of organizational capability, which is not only creating content and bringing to people or having people actively getting content and uh, learning and stuff like that. It's really creating a mechanism and processes that make the overall organization a learning entity. And so it, it really reaches into issues like organizational agility, right? Uh, where do you learn? You learn usually when you transcend your boundaries or where you are at the edge of your own experience. If you stay within your usual, you know, kind of uh, universe and never be curious what is beyond your universe, beyond your boundaries, you don't learn that much. So you, you see immediately relationship to how to organize across boundaries. So it has a lot to do with being suddenly open to influences from the outside to really collaborate with people you may not have collaborated before. It's a very multidisciplinary thing and a multifunctional thing that happens. And so if you really want to create a learning ecosystems, you have to address your organizational structures, mechanisms and processes as well. Uh, it's not resting in the learning department, the responsibility, the accountability for learning goes not only to the employees, it's really something where you need to hard think, how can I design a system, in this case, an ecosystem that is adaptive, that is happening, that is taking uh, a lot of the capabilities that are often hidden in the informal organization and make them visible and things like that. And so now there were many presentations and discussions in the latest ECLF sessions around ecosystems. Also in other discussions, did you come across of any good examples? That's also sometimes something we can learn of. Of course, the context is always different. Like at SAP, it's different than at Mercedes or IBM or Allianz or wherever. So... I think what you did, Thomas, uh, is, is, is really a benchmark. I have to say it's not because you're hosting this podcast. <laughs> I, really, I, I really think that SAP is a special company because SAP very early on had a business model that was dependent on creating an ecosystem, right? You, you reached out with partners to implement the software solutions you developed. Early on, I think it was Accenture. Later on, it became a, a larger uh, universe of partners. To do that and you have also invested more than uh, many many other companies i know in an ongoing uh, relationship with customers and engaging those customers in developing things another company i know that did similar things with cisco systems mm. cisco also had a cisco academy which or university which was really more or less about qualifying and, and certifying cisco engineers who knew how to do these things And there were, of course, a lot of benefits also, also for SAP, I assume, because you can externalize a little bit the cost of customer education by getting them engaged, right? I mean, the more customers really know how to use your solutions, the less work you have in uh, servicing them and supporting them, and uh, the more they are happy and not unhappy uh, when uh, some things do not work. So there is a clear business reason, of course, also behind that ecosystem. But back to to sap so i think you are with your communities that you have built with the kind of co-creation 
elements that are there with developers and so on. You are definitely a benchmark, in my opinion, on this. So congratulations, by the way. I've seen uh, efforts, for instance, at Siemens, when you speak of, of German cooperation. Mm, mm. Siemens has really experimented a lot and thought a lot uh, in their organization how to create an ecosystem for learning. And I think they are uh, they have recently partnered with Infosys on quite interesting uh, you know, AI-based uh, learning platform that helps them really to collect also all kinds of data which are uh, necessary in order to, you know, target content and also learning modules to specific uh, needs and people. Um, they link it also to strategy, to culture. They link it to their organizational structure. And I think this is what you need to do if, mm. if you separate it from strategy, if you separate it from organization, and from these uh, cultural things, then, you know, it's it's not really an ecosystem in the sense that we just talked before. So Siemens is interesting. We we did not have Siemens in the series in which you were, but we probably, Siemens just got a new leadership also in, in corporate learning, uh, Daniela Proust, and we're hoping with Daniela maybe making a kind of a event as well, where she uh, introduces a little bit what Siemens is doing in that space. Yeah. We, we, we talked about Allianz as well. Uh, it was, I think, a very interesting session we, we had with Allianz. And, you know, the challenge, you have 150,000 people. How do you make them curious? How do you make them engaged? How do you make them passionate to engage in learning? And we saw that there were very simple things that he did. Like you have an hour of learning per week that is dedicated in your calendar. Uh, use it or don't use it. So there were interesting approaches um, in that way. I think it's an emerging field. So because you mentioned context, right, as a key element that allows you to do more or less things in ecosystem. And it's very true that maturity stages of organizations, and we found that out also in our research, the more maturity you have in digital, the better you are in doing also ecosystem work. And why is ecosystem even coming up so prominently these days? I think that digital technology has enabled us, uh, you know, with a certain kind of, for instance, data management, uh, connectivity through social technologies, and so on and so forth. There are elements that were not there before. And so suddenly you can get into business models and into also operating models that are very different than they were before. And so software companies like SAP, you know, or digital natives like Google and Amazon and others, they are much better really in capitalizing on ecosystem models than let's say you're in oil and gas and you have heavy assets, which are not digital assets, right? Or look at, uh, you know, automotive industries. And if you look at the transformation or the disruption that for instance, Tesla is doing, Tesla is not a car, Tesla is a kind of a network software play that has attached you know, a car with four wheels. But the main thing that made Tesla successful is an ecosystem, not only connecting all the cars with each other and all the data you get then, you know, from driving and so on and so forth, which monetizes very different way than you just would monetize a, a traditional car. You also have, uh, you know, the, the, the charging station and all these elements together. And that was only possible uh, through digitalization, really. So, uh, perhaps just, just one comment, which which I saw very often, 
is also that companies who have this platform approach, uh, which is probably one of the highest margin digital business models, and uh, they're more and more growing. I think they always also need or have a strong ecosystem. Perhaps it both needs itself because an empty platform is not uh, helpful you know, to scale. But if you have a platform and then perhaps even a lot of data, you have this flywheel models like what we see from Amazon. And that's pretty much unstoppable stoppable, even so much that probably antitrust <laughs> needs to look into some of the uh, areas yeah that is very true you know i mean if you, i just had a conversation last week with a guy who runs talent and development globally for amazon uh, web services he told me that they grew just with during the pandemic just the web services which is primarily the cloud services right from 30,000 to 80,000 employees within a year Right. There is really, when speaking of scale, there is a lot of stuff happening uh, these days. And of course, platforms are a very prominent and famous element of um, ecosystems, but it's not the only one. I, very often people use it in the same way. Oh, platform, this is ecosystem. Platform is one way of double-sided or multi-sided markets where you, of course, have an ecosystem approach, but there are other ecosystems as well that are not platforms. So. So I think you, you touched some of the points already, but uh, let's say if you would l look at tips for practitioners, so we have many people from L&D and corporate learning in the podcast as listeners. So what would be your tips if uh, you want to look at the topic and want to further drive this ecosystem, learning ecosystem approach in your company? So do you have one, two, three, four actionable tips? Yeah, so we, we might have to differentiate between learning ecosystems and business ecosystems, right? right? Yeah. When we talk about the business ecosystem design, you know, I think as always, you know, the first thing is why am I doing this? What is the strategy behind that? What is the vision? Is there a kind of a business model behind this ecosystem I want to engage? Then, you know, what you need to do is you understand who would be my best partners in that ecosystem. If there is a lack of strategic fit, uh, if there's a lack of, you know, let's say organizational agility so that my partner becomes a real problem all the time because they're so bureaucratic, they're so slow that they can't work. So th there's a lot of things that we're looking into this and I don't want to get into detail now mm -hmm. in this capability framework, mm -hmm. right? When we say what is important to do uh, when you when you have an ecosystem. In the learning ecosystem, I think the biggest challenge is that the learning community of people who are in corporate learning you know, they really have to do the same mind shift that a lot of, you know, in the business ecosystem world, you also have to do. And the business side is that the mindset is, this is my organization. I want to maximize what my organization does. And that is not an ecosystem kind of uh, approach. Uh, if you take your own interest as the only kind of benchmark, then, you know, you are not a very good systems player. In the learning field, it's that the learning and development department is the center of learning. And uh, that is a mindset, you know, if they own learning, which is not really conducive to an ecosystem uh, approach. The uh, main thing, I think, is to understand that the ownership of learning is with the learners, with those people who are out there and have to do their daily work. And so the role of the learning department is significantly changing. It must become an enabling role that provides, you know, a culture, processes, structures, I don't know, collaboration tools, and so on and so forth, 
that are enabling the workforce, the leaders, uh, and it, I would go beyond the organization, also your stakeholders like customers, you know, and, and others outside your organization to jointly engage in, uh, in a kind of a learning process. As you do it, and I mentioned before, with, with learning communities that are partly self-organized, but you give them support by providing them with a technological infrastructure. You give them support by maybe introducing roles that haven't existed before. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, a network broker, right? Somebody who brings people together, somebody that helps. Moderator. Yeah. yeah, a moderator, but also, you know, making mm -hmm. clear that, you know, you bring people together that usually wouldn't come together by bridging boundaries and so on and so forth. There's a whole project going on right now at MIT looking at what kind of new roles uh, do you need in ecosystems uh, which are not existing today, right? Very few companies have that. We have one in our network with ECLF, which is Otto Group, which is a e-tailer, so to say. They are in, you know, kind of uh, like Amazon. Uh, Otto Group has a, a function which is exclusively responsible for uh, brokering knowledge across the hundred or so companies that Otto Group consists of. And uh, it's just here to create enabling learning environments so that they that usually would not talk to each other start to talk to each other. So I think those are tips. It's really much in the mindset. The other thing is you know, there is maybe an, a growing awareness uh, in the expert community, but you need to get your uh, leadership, i.e., you know, the C-suite in organizations and the senior leadership on board with that. They play a very important role. If they don't support these things, it uh, becomes very hard. And so you really have to be kind of an advisor to those who are currently don't have something like what I would call learning acumen. We have talked a lot in the past that, you know, the learning people don't have business acumen. You know, they, they don't understand enough what business is about. On the other side, you know, business doesn't really understand what learning is about. And it's really both need to learn from each other, right? Yeah, especially if, especially if the companies want to go into the business ecosystem world, I think their learning and collaboration and communities and so on, I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so we see all the functions have to learn. You know, I, I, I recently, I think we, we had a call with a guy, he was from GE, we talked about that there is a reconfiguration of functional identities going on. I'm sorry for the abstract kind of thing. But what learning used to be and HR used to be in the new context of digital and ecosystem thinking, they need to redefine what they're for. They need to re-understand their function. But the same goes with strategy. The same goes with IT. We cannot you know, continue with the functional identities as they were as silos uh, because IT really deeply goes now into what HR does and the people equation becomes so important, what IT does and so on and so forth. And so there is a lot of joint uh, learning necessary, which goes beyond just content. It's really mindset and mm -hmm. collaboration. Mm -hmm. And uh, Roland, so I think you touched a lot of points and actually the points you touched around the business ecosystems, I think for learning ecosystems, they are also very important, of course, to think why do I'm doing that? 
or also who are the best partners. But you also touched the capability framework topic. Uh, so uh, could you share some more insights on that? So also how this changes from past, let's say, capability frameworks like in the past we often had static skill catalogs uh, perhaps a central one and then perhaps bound to job functions but this was all pretty static and top down so you mean for the learning function or for yeah 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 and but what they use also let's say to de develop the, the this ecosystem uh, approach yeah well i mean in the learning field again i think the capabilities are getting a mindset that sees learning as a very comprehensive mm -hmm. function or as a comprehensive discipline that goes beyond textbooks or learning as something that is more or less qualification only. Learning is so much more than qualification. You know, we, we have to look at issues like, obviously, analytical thinking, cognitive learning, facts, skills, and things like that. That is one important element. There is emotional learning. There is social learning, there is political learning, there is ethical learning, right? There is so many things you also need to learn that go beyond what we think about just as knowledge. Mm. So the skills, you know, that I need, for instance, to perform in a certain situation are important. But if I don't have the emotional, the social, the political, the ethical capabilities to deal with these kinds of things, I will fall short. Um, if I don't have a curiosity, uh, which is something you can learn, but it's also a condition for a learning identity, right? It's kind of a meta capability. Then, you know, I'll just sit here and say, well, I have to learn again. If I'm actively curious, like a little kid is, it's a very different approach. You know, I think the overall understanding what belongs to a learning architecture needs to change and needs to be much more comprehensive. And um, learning needs to understand it's not only an educational function, it's also a function that shapes culture. It is a culture, uh, it is a function that actually shapes the strategy process if it's done well. It's a function that connects with new stakeholders and then leverages these connections for joint value creation. And that's not what, well, what, what learning usually is, uh, you know. That's no formal training in the formal center, in the training center, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, this, this was, uh, I think this was very good input. Uh, and where do you see the whole topic uh, developing? Of course, many companies are perhaps not that uh, mature, so they need to further develop into that uh, thinking and, uh, and so on. But where do you, you, you overall, so we touched data, we talked about values and culture. I think both the technical, but also the social side are probably, uh, important. So do you have, can, do you have any insight in trends or developments? Yeah, what I see, and this is really kind of uh, almost a paradox, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, that learning has never been as important as it is today. We have such exponential change in technology and, and also in the challenges that organizations face that learning and being adaptive to new skills and ongoing lifelong kind of thing has never been more important. Interestingly, at the same time, we find that the reputation and the influence, and if you may say so, the power of the learning function is not at par with that. Uh, it's buried in HR, 
HR itself doesn't have the best reputation, especially in the United States. But, you know, everywhere I see that HR usually, you know, well, there's a lot of lip service to the importance of people. But when it comes to other things, for instance, the budget allocation, you know, IT uh, and others have much more uh, influence in organizations. And so the big challenge becomes to actually really go outside the traditional thinking that, that learning needs to rest in this learning department. And, um, you know, they have to really reflect and, and, and change their own operating model. And the skill sets that you needed, let's say instructional design or moderation of classroom kind of settings and so on and so forth, become less important. And there are new skills that are more in agility, collaboration, network organization, community support, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and that is a, a difficult path to go for many, I believe. But I think the importance is growing. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the leaders in these organizations will actually also do what's necessary to do in terms of budget allocation and uh, process kind of uh, adaptation. So... Absolutely. And also change the thinking, yeah? not only do formal training, of, of also let's say if we do co-innovation or if we work with partners to scale, that we not only do, perhaps it's important to do formal training, so the old stuff, but we can't solve, I always say we can't solve today's or tomorrow's problems with the solutions from yesterday, so that we set up communities, more informal learning, net learning in the network and so on. So I think that's equally important, right? I think both is important, right? I think we, we need to scale basic skills, you know, that, that you just need. And as we see, the change of the nature of work is also quite, you know, something that we have to deal with. Absolutely. And, you know, many of those skills will become obsolete because uh, why would you need, for instance, stuff that can be done by AI uh, very soon in the future? And what are the new skills? Uh, how is the human machine interface working. Uh, these are still not out there yet, but those will become the critical kind of things. So Absolutely. The, way back, uh, I forgot, you know, who that was. I think it was Chris Argeris talking about double loop learning. We need to learn how to learn, which is the first thing, right? And uh, that means also we need to install kind of organizational architectures that enable that learning how to learn. Because if organizations are too rigid, you know, and you and you come back, uh, and and you just can't act like you would like to, because the constraints of the organizational structure are so rigid, then you know the learning is is in vain. It's demotivating, actually. Really, mm. it's really about organizational learning as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think still many companies do learning on a pretty much individual level, perhaps on a team level, like with agile teams and or whatever management teams. But I think this organizational level, I hear it coming back. But you mentioned Aguris, yeah, or Sanchi, or all the great uh, smart people who did uh, yeah, great work. So, oh, but you think with the new technologies, with the new challenges, this probably. Uh, even needs to come back now, let's say, also after COVID and with all the challenges what we have. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, we talked about ecosystems before, it's not only organizational learning, it's also mm. ecosystem learning almost, right? What you would have to look at, how can you create a learning architecture for a stakeholder universe, which is not only within, but also beyond your organization? At the end of the day, 
there are various steps and levels where you can do learning. You can see there's a simple thing where you just do content. You can learning see as creating change. And you can see learning really as creating even industry transformation. Mm. So if, for instance, you install learning mechanisms into an ecosystem, you can, through that, transform a whole industry. Uh, you can engage you know, stakeholders who usually wouldn't talk to each other in a joint conversation how to uh, develop a certain kind of product services and even operating models. And that is something, you know, learning usually wouldn't even see as their agenda. But we, we, we looked at, for instance, what would be interventions that help you to perform well in ecosystem and creating a joint inter-organizational learning platform is a great intervention mm -hmm. because you bring through learning all the parties on the table and they start to have conversations about their position, their identity, their contribution, their value kind of uh, creation logic and things like that. And um, I have seen not that many organizations doing this actively. They keep learning within the boundaries of their organization. And this is why I was so fascinated by what you do, right? Because your work really reaches way beyond the boundaries of your organization. Yeah. 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 I don't know. So, so I, I think we touched a lot of topics around ecosystems, corporate learning. So do you have any questions to me or any further topics which we didn't uh, touch so far? Yeah, so what, what I would be really interested specifically with you is, mm. and, and this is also in, the, in our ecosystem research, a big challenge. How do you connect what's happening outside with what's happening inside the organization, right? So for instance, if you have a governance within your own organization that is pretty hierarchical. And let's say you're not very flexible, there is a lack of agility, you know, you control too much from the center, what, for instance, the uh, business or the periphery of the organization is doing. And then you need to engage in an ecosystem, but the ecosystem requires, for instance, flexibility, it requires different operating, you know, modes, uh, it requires, for instance, to deal with all kinds of different deal types you have in an ecosystem and stuff like that. Now, there is a disconnect usually between the governance requirements of an ecosystem and the governance within your organization. In the learning, it might be a similar thing. You, you're enabling through your learning architecture, you know, the, the, the qualification of customers, of partners, uh, you let them talk about what is important. How do you translate this into the inside learning of your organization. Mm. Do you have any uh, experiences here? How do you, as SAP, learn from what you have installed as a great learning ecosystem with the outside? Mm. So I think our customer learning ecosystem, that's pretty much tactical, I would say. So uh, we certified consultants, we train sales partners, And we even have communities so that they exchange. But uh, I think what's perhaps for your question even more interesting is our really our developer community. So because there we have all the building blocks. And it's, uh, I would say, it's an open ecosystem. We have the community, which is a more social platform with blocks and so on. So everyone shares their knowledge. Uh, we have events like a regional or global, like I think in every big region, there is uh, events where people meet. Usually now it's all virtual. It goes down to the locations where we have round tables, like Stammtisch, we call it uh, in Germany. 
so where people really meet in their location and we have then even one-on-one we have the developer meets customer program for example where developers go out to the customers i think that's pretty open and through the different variations uh i think it's very good that uh, we learn from each other also then with certain projects like to co-innovate or similar yeah i think that, that that's a very good uh, example yeah and I, this benefits both yeah like uh, of course us so we learn with our customers uh, we are not in the ivory tower uh, of course the customer so if they have a joint innovation project for example Yeah, it's perhaps better if they would do it alone or, or, or so. So we perhaps even create a product or at least minimum viable product and then work work uh, along that. But but you as a company are also engaged, you know, when you have success factors, for instance, which is a learning software, right, mm -hmm. that supports organizations doing things. Are you also getting involved into helping organizations to design, you know, a learning architecture or a learning ecosystems? Because that's something that, actually would be almost in your product service portfolio, or am I wrong here? Yeah, on, on different levels. So like we in our area, which is more around products. So we have, of course, education consulting, which helps customers more with a needs analysis, more the traditional stuff, but now also more and more with organizational change management, yeah, which uh, helps there. And of course, there are the tools like LMS or like a authoring tool, like performance support, but, but whatever is needed in the context uh, then also is uh, applied we also have of course hr consultants i think for the big transformations we have organization change management or in german we call it business transformation consulting however many of our customers they also rely on the big uh, let's say transformation consultants also if it's uh Uh, EY, Accenture, or even on more strategic level like Boston Consulting or McKinsey down to smaller uh, companies. So, of course, there we are often more seen as a, that we have the competence in technology, which, which is true. But in some areas like learning, we also go a little bit into that direction. But I see many companies, like I mentioned, then also work with other, uh, let's say, consulting companies. Yeah. Uh, so that that is kind of for me a, a fascinating question how you you know the interplay between the external enterprise and then your own internal organizational structure and processes because i believe and that's maybe a little bit abstract but as an organization you only can learn again at the boundaries to your external world, right? I mean, lots of traditional organizational development efforts usually stop at the boundaries of your organization. Lots of learning activities and architecture stop at the boundaries of your organization. And once you go beyond those boundaries, new things happen. If you want to do strategy, of course you can do it, you know, with, I don't know, a consultancy making slides and then, you know, telling you now you need to implement that. But real strategy development happens through dialogue. And the strategic dialogue, if it's only inside, is not good enough because how would you know what's happening at the markets, you know, what's going on in your industry? And not only what's going on in your industry, you're always surprised by new stuff that comes in and that disrupts maybe what you're doing right now. So if you don't have these antenna out there to learn On an ongoing basis, what is new in the, let's say, startup ecosystem? What is new in the venture world? Uh, what is new coming out there and, and engaging these conversations? Then you stay just within your 
let's say, bubble of your own organization. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of learning, but I think many people don't see it as a learning. Like, of course, we have a subventure arm and also co-innovation with independent software companies, but also big players. I think that's, that's very important. Up to co-innovation with now larger consulting companies. I think that's perhaps... Of course, it's strategic, but in the end, it's also pretty pragmatic uh, that in the end, the innovation is, of course, best if we do it uh, together in, in a network. And what, what also comes up, I read that recently, is, of course, more and more the idea of industry networks. You mentioned that. But they then also have an industry platform amongst it. So, for example, we work with, uh, with Siemens also on that, on a technical level. So, of course, this will be also interesting and probably important for Europe uh, because the big other digital black platforms are already built up in the US or Asia. I mean, the, the interesting thing is really, you know, digitalization has brought with it the kind of fuzziness of industry boundaries. Because you, you suddenly have entrants coming in from somewhere where you never thought, you know, the, Amazon is talking about doing now a bank, right? Google has been everywhere virtually, right? From having self-driving cars to being in telecommunications. Now they have Android, which is the largest, actually one of the big operating systems in mobile. And way back, it just was a search engine, right? And so this development, and it's more and more encompassing other industry segments. Is automotive still the automotive industry? Maybe the auto changes really its identity and becomes, as I said with the Tesla example, more a networked uh, kind of system of data collection and self-autonomous driving uh, networks and the car itself becomes something like a dumb hardware. You see the same thing in the energy and the mobility and you look at all kinds of industries. Now, if you want to stay somehow on the cutting edge of these developments, you cannot stay within the boundaries of your organization to learn. Absolutely. Right? You mm -hmm. need to go beyond. And you need to institutionalize dialogue with the right stakeholders in that. And this is why I think learning platforms are so important, where you bring together people like we do it now with the Executive Corporate Learning Forum. But the weakness of this forum, to be very honest, is that it's limited to primarily HR people, and which is, again, a tribe. It's, again, a kind of a silo, a functional silo. And uh, I've got really big uh, I put in a big effort to bring in a multifunctional conversation, to put HR with IT, with strategy, with communication, you know, with marketing on one table mm. to have a conversation how the future of organizations would look like. Because HR alone, even if they might have organizational change and development in their uh, portfolio, cannot do it without understanding the others. So this is for me... The boundary management is the essence of, of learning architectures, really. All right. So so we now talked about a lot of topics in ecosystems and learning. So uh, the last two, three questions, I would uh, more ask you more on a personal level. So if that's uh, okay for you. Sure. So how, <laughs> so how do you like to learn? And perhaps even you could share your latest very helpful learning experience. <laughs> How do I like to learn? Well, you know, by doing exactly what I said before, I'd like to expose myself to stuff I, I just don't know, mm -hmm. right? And that is for me out, uh, doing stuff outside my expertise, ideally, right? Mm -hmm. I'm reading a lot of stuff which is more history or politics, and I, I don't read 
a lot of business books, I have to admit. And I don't read a lot of deeper expert stuff on learning and development and things like that. I go usually beyond that. My, my learning about these things that we're talking about comes more out of conversations, really, and dialogue with people who are in practice rather than, you know, the, the uh, reading books about that. If you ask me what was a big learning experience recently, I mean, the pandemic, you know, created an incredible, uh, let's say. This was a booster. It yeah. was a booster. <laughs> and what surprised me is, you know, that we're using Zoom and these kind of collaborative technologies that enable people to talk to each other virtually work much better than I originally thought. Right. We had, for instance, in the ECLF, in this learning forum, only physical meetings. And we thought you really need the physical meeting for having that kind of culture of trust and exchange that is necessary, you know, if you share uh, practices in the community. But it works surprisingly well, also virtually. We suddenly have people from, you were there, right, from Kenya, from India, participating in stuff and building a community and trust just being virtual that never would have happened uh, if you would have to travel for, let's say, a one-day meeting or so. You wouldn't come from India, for, from Kenya, uh, or, or the United States together. So I'm learning a little bit how to do this more effective and to leverage, uh, you know, this kind of technologies for social architectures. Uh, so that was a, a quite interesting one in the last year, I have to say. And what's on your learn to learn list this year? Going uh, up the paths or any other special topics you want to learn? Well, you know, the research project we're currently on on the ecosystem capability framework mm -hmm. is a learning project for myself because it's mm. it's an open, uncharted territory still. Not much has been done. You know, a lot have been written on platform business models and strategy and things like that. But I haven't seen much yet on the leadership and organizational elements of how to shape and leverage ecosystems, depending also on, you know, the position you're in and so on and so forth in such a system. So that is, for me, a, a big learning project. And I do this by having ongoing conversations with all types of people, uh, senior executives, uh, senior consultancies, also, of course, academic world, you know, and thought leaders, and, and somehow shaping here a new community. We're, we're planning to launch a kind of a global dialogue platform at the Center for the Future Organization, or let's say hosted by the Center for the Future Organization, that should bring together A, B, and C, academia, business, and consulting in an ongoing dialogue about this topic of, of ecosystem. That will be a joint learning process. I'd like to put together a kind of a, a learning architecture for that global community of people who are interested in ecosystem leadership. And that uh, is something where I just keep on learning all the time, new people, new organizations and stuff like that. I like the ABC acronym. I never heard that. That's very cool. <laughs> I, need to, and I need, need to copy that. Okay, that's very fascinating. Yeah, I think learning from projects actually also one of my favorite learning style or, or where I learn most. So let's say, so we shared now already a little bit uh, of info where people can find further information like the future.org.org, uh, also the ECLF, I think we can link, also the LinkedIn page. Anything else what we could share, or what you could share, perhaps even something what helps you in uh, keeping up to date? 
I think LinkedIn is a good source for me for connecting and discovering people who do stuff. And there is a really, uh, you know, a lot of interesting work going on in that field right now. If I'm thinking who would be interesting to read, if you think about that, I mean, there is work coming out of MIT a lot. There is a platform institute that is done by uh, Marshall Alstein and, and Peter Evans that is certainly globally one of the thought leaders uh, of platforms and platform management. Uh, they are a very interesting source for all kinds of work. And MIT generally does really, you know, they, they also have with McAfee Center for um, in the digital business, a, a great uh, resource. Uh, and there is a lot, you know, you could do every day a webinar or something like that on digital and, and, and these things. There is um, Michael Jacobides' uh, work at the London Business School, who I that, that value quite a lot. There are people like Annabel Gower, for instance, uh, I think she's in, uh, I forgot exactly which university, she's also in the UK. Then interesting work comes out of the workshop, so to say, out of the think tank of BCG, uh, the BCG Henderson Institute and mm -hmm. Martin Reeves, who is a very active and proliferate really thinker that continuously publishes stuff. BCG has done a, a very interesting series on business ecosystems in four parts right now, published in their uh, BCG uh, perspectives series. So, so that's uh, Martin is really a very good source for me also of conversation always. So, I mean, I try to look again at A, B, and C. The academics, yes, like Michael Jacobides or Annabel Gaur or Marshall Alstein and so on. Uh, but, you know, this is very, how do you translate it into practice? Somehow the, let's say, the missing link very often between academia and practice, very often the, the leading consultancies because they are think tanks on one hand, but on the other hand, they see and live the practice. Uh, so I tap into consultancies. I like personally a lot BCG because of their think tank. Um, um, of course, you know, all the big ones, McKinsey, Deloitte, you know, you name them, they have reports out there uh, all the time. So I'm, I'm looking at these things. But then even also maybe most important, are those who live this. These are the executives, these are the organizations, this is the B side of it, uh, so the, the business side of it. And so I connect a lot with companies that currently face the challenges of engaging and developing ecosystems. Um, for instance, Siemens Energy, a very interesting uh, company that now in renewable energy and the future really of, of energy will play a major role. And what they are doing, for instance, is for me quite interesting. I've done some work with, with Airbus on urban air mobility, which is, is a new ecosystem which is emerging right now, air taxes and things like that. Or you look at, uh, you know, what the automotive companies like Daimler, BMW are trying to do in the mobility space. And, you know, more and sometimes less successful. Those are also very interesting sources uh, for me. Uh, and, and that I would recommend people really looking at these A, B, and C sources when it comes to learning about these things. Okay, yeah, I wrote that down and uh, we'll put it in the show notes. All right, so thanks so much. So anything else uh, I forgot to ask or anything else you want to share? Or... This, was a, this was a long and really interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> 
at, at points maybe a little bit too abstract. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, you know, it's a complex and partly abstract kind of subject, the ecosystems. Mm. So, yeah. So thanks so much. I think people will look forward for your let's say capability framework research. I think this will be interesting. But uh, I think uh, can we do a summary? I think every company should look at that, uh, how to foster their business, but also learning ecosystem. And of course, depending on the context, there are a lot of different possibilities. So we hope you found that interesting, all listeners. Yeah, so one thing, you know, I might be really shouting out there if we can use this platform for her. Mm -hmm. Everybody who is listening to this cordially invited, of course, to somehow... Uh, join that dialogue platform that we're putting out there, which will be, you know, it's there is no money involved. It's free. It's primarily that, you know, we know who would be people who have an interest in that subject. And we're, of course, also interested in having this as a multifunctional kind of community, uh, not only people from the area of learning, which is your main audience, I assume, but of course, there would be strategy, IT, and others, as I mentioned before, involved. But if you're interested in that, you know, you can sign up for a mailing list um, at the Center for the Future of Organization. Then we keep you in the loop because uh, we have an ongoing uh, program also of surveys and research on that topic. We wanna, we're about to build a kind of an assessment tool that allows you to understand your maturity stage and capabilities and so on and so forth. And having a large global community on that uh, certainly helps our cause. Yeah, so we have the ecosystem ecosystem. Yeah, that's great. So uh... <laughs> we're all, we're building our own ecosystem. Yeah. That is exactly right. <laughs> this is my big learning project, by the way. Yeah, that's the best uh, how you learn it if you do it by yourself. All right. So thanks so much, uh, Roland. So we we'll also put your LinkedIn account in the show notes of people want to contact you and all the other stuff. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, dear listeners. If you're still uh, listening, uh, we hope you found it listen uh, interesting. Yeah, so this was it. So we wish all of you a nice further day. Have a great day. Yeah, bye everyone. Bye Roland. And thank you. Thank you, Thomas. It was really nice having that conversation. Thanks back. Mm -hmm.